Join with me in turning to uh, John chapter 6. And I, Bruce, do we have this on the screen? Good. So go ahead and pull up our scripture reading. Now it's not going to match, if you are grabbing a Bible, it's not going to match probably the translation that you have. And that's okay. We've, we're going to have it here on the screen. Uh, and we're going we're gonna, to um, read through this. And I'm going to read it uh, for you this time. But we're, I want you to see it here on the screen. And, um, and let, let this word soak into your life. I challenged you last week to spend some time in John chapter 6. And uh, it is a, boy, I, I, I haven't found the bottom yet, uh, if that makes sense. You know, it's swimming time around where we are. Our kids are always swimming. It's like I have not found the bottom of John 6 just yet. It is deep. It is beautiful. And again, I want to invite you. You might not be able to read the whole chapter. Maybe you've got other readings and stuff, but maybe not the whole chapter every day. But could you at least think about, and whatever else, say you're reading in Leviticus, then match up John 6 to what Leviticus is doing, or Exodus, or wherever you might find yourself reading, and think on these things. So, let's all stand for the reading of God's Word. This is the Word of God. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Then the Jews began to complain about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were saying, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not complain among yourselves. No one can come to me unless drawn by the father who sent me. And I will raise that person up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. That's a reference to Isaiah. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Very truly. And in the Greek there's just amen, amen. I tell you, Whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And you may be seated. They say to be healthy, uh, you need to eat right. And exercise. Anybody heard that? Anybody practice that? (laughs) Uh, I don't know who they are, but that's telling me these things. But uh, generally speaking, that's that's what they say is a healthy life. If you're eating right and you're exercising, and many of us try to strive for that, and um, maybe maybe you've heard this too. You are what you eat. You ever heard that? It's kind of a kind of a famous 
aphorism, a saying, idiom. Uh, and interestingly, it for us today is a great diving board. I'm using all these sports analogies because the Olympics are on, right? So hopefully everybody's ruminating with that. But I think this, this saying, you are what you eat, and focusing on eating healthy and exercising is a great diving board into John 6 and into what it is that Christ wants to feed us today. Do you believe that the Lord actually wants to say something to you today? I hope, I hope that when you come to his word and when you come particularly with his people in the appointed time frame, which is Sunday, for worship, that we expect God to speak to us. If there's no expectation, there may not be any faith. And there may not be any word. And there may not be any drawing. And so today, I want us just to maybe pause right now and say, Lord, I, I expect you to speak a word to me today. Now, that doesn't mean that what I'm going to say is that word. It could be after church. It could be, it could be during communion. I, I don't, I'm not the Holy Spirit of God. But I know this, he can take what is said today, the words already said today, the songs sung, and he can speak a word into your soul that's undeniable. And when that happens, oh, it is nourishment to the soul. And so I want to invite you, maybe even like within this time frame here of this worship service, to do these th uh, two things. Eat what is healthy, <laughs> what is good for us, and then to exercise all godliness. You know, Paul, he says this, he says, uh, yeah, physical exercise, that's, that's cool, that's good. I imagine he probably did it. But he says this, but training for godliness, you could maybe say holiness, is much better Promising benefits, notice this, promising benefits in this life and the life to come. That's 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. So let's exercise and feast on these words here. Uh, over the next two, uh, two weeks, I guess this week and next week, there's two things that's going to be said. Because really Jesus, in his answer to the question that's posed here that we just read, gives two answers. The first one is this, eating is believing. And the second one is this, believing is eating. And so one is an invitation, hear this, one is an invitation to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, I think you got your preposition wrong. No, you know, the prepositions are, are kind of wily, <laughs> They're, they're flexible. Uh, and in the Greek, it doesn't tell you exactly which one to go with. Most of the time, the scripture goes with in. But I often will shift that because some interpreters and scholars do to on. Because we're saying, I want to be putting my life on his. My life, it's yours. And then he comes in. Then we're in Christ. But we have to put our faith, our sin, our confession on him. Isn't this what the scriptures say and call us to do? 
Just remember as they, as they used to do with the sacrifices in the Old Testament. The sin was to be put on this animal symbolically. And then the life blood was to come out. And we're going to be talking more deeply about that next week. Here's where, what happens here. <laughs> we get this heart centralized statement of Jesus that our family has been trying to memorize. Uh, I would ask Baylor to do it, but I don't want to. That's what you hate, like knowing somebody and it's like, oh, and then you forget. So here's what it is I am the bread of life. Whoever, notice this, whoever comes to me will never be hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I thought about this a lot, especially this week. And I'm thinking, I don't get it, Lord. Like, so like once we bite of you, we we never have to do it again? I don't think that's the case. Instead, notice again, never be hungry. Never be thirsty. It means as much as you want, there is. Just like the, just like the bread, right? I mean, we're, we're in chapter 6 where it's the multiplication of the loaves, right? As much as they wanted, they had, it said. Here's the point. Christ never loses nourishment in our life. We come to him and there is plenty of him. So much so that even in heaven, we're not going to get bored with God. It won't, he, won't be, he won't be a God that we can just put up on the shelf and be done with. No, just as fascinating as, as people are and relationships are, God infinitely is. And he invites us to eat of him, to drink of him. Well, this causes a complaint from the Jews. In verse Verse, uh, really the two verses, 41 and 42, um, they are asking this. How does he say that he comes down from heaven? Notice their beef isn't, their, their problem isn't that he calls himself bread. But instead that he says, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. They understand what he's saying, and that is, he is from heaven. He's otherworldly, and yet has come into our world. You know, in the Lord's Prayer we pray, on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven has come down. You know, oftentimes Christians make the mistake, especially in evangelicalism, well, and especially in times of crisis, we often say, you know, we just need to go to heaven. We just need to get out of here and go to heaven. It's, it's almost an escapism. Have you heard this? Have you felt this maybe? I mean, just if not, then watch the news today for 30 minutes. I mean, from New York, a place that we like, all the way to California, a place that we've come to like, and it's a mess. Into other countries, it's a mess. Things are a mess. People are not happy. The world is dangerous. The world is passing away. And, and, and part of us wants you to say, yeah, yeah, okay, Lord, we just need you to come back and, and, and get us out of here. 
Send us up to heaven. But have you noticed that the orientation of the New Testament is not an escapism? I I just dare you to read it carefully. It's not, oh, I can't wait till I get to some heavenly place. Rather, it's about the kingdom of heaven being established here. And it's our job to establish it, not to run away from it, not to put our, not to hide. Oh, goodness. No, no. The church should be at the forefront. Going against the grain, establishing his kingdom. Now, it's not a political grain. grain. (laughs) It's not establishing a better America. Or a better Saudi Arabia or China or you name it. No, it's the kingdom of God made of all nations and peoples. Now, I love America, you know. I did a little triathlon yesterday and did the, did, you know, heart over, our hand over my heart, you know. Listen to the national anthem, all that good. But his kingdom lasts forever. His kingdom alone. What does his kingdom look like? It looks like Jesus. It looks like forgiveness. It looks like loving your enemies. You know, we we had to go through this this week. And so I just cracked open the Bible just to make sure it said this. But it says, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Do I need to say that again? Because I think you missed something. Love your enemies. We, now, we can, we can do that. Like, that's, that's actually doable. You can, you, know, you can say, like, yeah, I do love them. But here's the hard part. Do good to those who hate you. Not just think in my head, like, oh, yeah, I love those. I still love those people. They're, they're humans. They're persons. God died for them. I get it. I love them, okay? God bless them. But do good to them. When's the last time you did good to somebody that you don't like? When's the last time you did good to somebody that doesn't like you? <laughs> Listen, this is one of those moments I'm joining you <laughs> and saying, Lord, help me. They get it. They get it. The world. The world is nasty. And he's saying he's not of the world. He's from heaven. And he's in the world. And he's here to establish his rule on earth. So that all of a sudden heaven is pressing down on earth until it's all his Is that not what we actually read in the Gospels? It's about the kingdom. People aren't talking about escaping. And and this was the Roman world, folks. If we think our sexuality was messed up, just have a gander at some of the history there. Make some of the things we're doing child's play. And you talk about persecution as if we just speak up and lose a job. What about your life and your children being sent into slavery or death? Friends, I'm telling you, the first years of the church were not an easy format. 
We always think we have to be pushed into one or the other, an either-or. You're either Democrat or Republican. You either are for masks or against masks. It's either good guys versus bad guys. And you know, for children, that, that's the way you have to teach children, right? Paul says, eat some spiritual food. Don't just be sucking on milk. Grow up into Christ Jesus. And Jesus didn't treat his enemies as if they were enemies. I'm just here to tell you, that ain't easy. Now, I'm not, answering a lot, I'm not offering a lot of my answers. <laughs> but here's the answer Christ gives. Jesus answers and says, look, don't grumble. Don't grumble. And I wonder if that's a word for us today. Look, I know it's bad. But I wonder if he wouldn't say to us, the solution to our political upheaval... our divisions in this country particularly, our uncertainty is, first of all, first of all, don't, don't grumble. Don't grumble. Don't complain. Now, I know you have to talk about things, okay? I get it. You do. You have to talk about certain things. But you can talk about them and still give praise to God. Lord, this person is difficult. I don't understand what's going on here. Anybody ever been there? I don't understand what they're doing. I don't know why they're doing it. But I praise you that you've put me in this situation to maybe encourage them. <laughs> or maybe God has put that person in your life to sanctify you. To expose some of your pride to expose some of the fact that you think you're the good guy or gal and that they're in the wrong. And maybe they are, but the Lord's wanting to expose that you've been there too. That you've been difficult. The person that thinks they're never difficult um, either is lying to themselves or they're difficult. <laughs> um, I don't know how else to put it. <laughs> you know, they say in the exercise world, right? No pain, no gain. This sounds like some spiritual exercises that I need to pump the iron on. Have some of us gotten flabby spiritually with forgiveness? When's the last time we heavy lifted forgiveness? I mean, when somebody really did you wrong. And you didn't just say, oh yeah, I forgive them, but put that in your pocket for later. <laughs> no, I forgive you. And I'm going to forgive you like God forgives us. Would you remember how God forgives us? He says, I don't remember it anymore. Now I thought God knew everything. He does. What he's saying is, I choose not to bring it up again. Oof. That one hurts, doesn't it? That's like when you're on you know, the treadmill and they're like, all right, now it's an all-out pace. Well, I thought I was already going all out.
Jesus answers, don't grumble. And then he goes where he always goes, especially in John, the Gospel of John, and that is to the triunity of God. <laughs> in verse 44. And it's basically a triune statement about grace. No one comes to me unless the Father draws him. Don't think you did that. Don't think you, because you were smarter than everybody else, came to Jesus. No, it was the Father's grace that allowed you to hear his call. It wasn't your doing. No, it was grace. And in fact, it's the grace that's extended to us by the Holy Spirit. Because, you know, look, I get it. I, sometimes I'm thinking... Why don't these people just believe in God? Like, the alternative's just awful. I mean, you know what the alternative is, right? Like, we came from nowhere. We're here for no reason, and we're going nowhere. That, that's just not much to wake up for in the mornings. Which is probably why we have a depressed society. One that, that feels the weight of trying to make up an existence for themselves. It's really sad. It's not something to laugh about or to, to, to shuck over to the side and say, that's just a bunch of garbage. Our teenagers, friends and family, are struggling with this very thing. Where is the ground of my being? They might not be asking it in that existential way, but that's what they're trying to find, is something to land on that's a rock. And we know who that rock is. But it's not about throwing rocks at them to get them to realize. That's not going to help. How many times has somebody changed your mind by slapping you upside the head? And even if it worked temporarily, it wasn't a long-term solution and oftentimes created trauma. And for some of us, the way we think we should share the gospel is traumatic for other people. I'm going to be careful here. I'm not saying not to. But I'm saying when you come at someone so angrily and looking at them in a belittling way, it's just not the way of Jesus, friend. It just isn't. And look, I've had this to happen before. I was in Walmart, you know, there for ketchup. Minding my own business on the ketchup aisle with the mustard and all that kind of stuff. Looking around. Right as I went to reach for the ketchup, the guy says, are you going to heaven or hell? I didn't know if I needed to pick the mustard or the ketchup at that point. And I said, uh, well, I'm, I'm going to heaven. <laughs> How do you know? And on and on. And actually happened to me in the parking lot another time. And the guy got angry at me. Because he thought I was joking about it. Which I wasn't. We need the love of God. It's not a sissy love. It speaks the truth. Just as Paul in, in our Ephesians chapter uh, says for us to do. Was it Ephesians? Somebody help me out. Yeah? Yeah, Ephesians. He says, speak the truth to one another. Like, that's a good place to start. Tell the truth. Well, then Jesus, the Spirit will teach us about the Messiah, which is why he's quoting Isaiah there. We must hear and learn from the Father in order to come to Jesus. You see, it's not up to you completely. 
This is not your spiritual life. God gives us moments of His grace that are more intense than other times. He offers things like today at this table. And when we talk about come to the table, it's not some spiritual metaphorical table. It's both. It's a real table right here in this sanctuary. The very center. I think it's center line. I might need to shift. It's a real table to come to and find your place. And eat. And drink. And then go and be sent out. Only the Son has seen the Father, Jesus says. Nobody, nobody's seen God. When we see God is when we see Jesus. And when we see Jesus, we see God. There is no God hidden somewhere. And Jesus is the good one. And the Father's the bad one. That's heretical. Marcion tried to do that early on. It was actually the first heresy of the church. And the church said, mm, no thank you. The God of the Old Testament, with all the blood and wrath and judgment, is the same God that shows up in Jesus Christ. And although they may be difficult to reconcile, there is no difference. Same God. All three persons work for our salvation. The Father, the Son, the Spirit. (laughs) So, lay your trust on Jesus Christ. Go all in for Jesus. Put all your eggs in that basket. Because he won't stop until it's all his. I don't mean just your life. I mean the whole world. The whole world is his and everything in it. Right? We said in the creation. All that is invisible and visible. And so Jesus gives him an invitation, starting with 47. He goes, amen, amen, which is like his, his transitional language here. Very truly, listen up. If you have faith in Jesus, which he's saying, if you have faith in me, then you have eternal life. Which the Greek there is this term, zoe. You ever know known somebody named Zoe, then that's the, the word for life here. It's not bios, which is biological life. It's Zoe, which is spiritual life. And we need both, because we are both. Have you noticed? We're not just an animal, and we're not an angel. <laughs> no, the psalmist in Psalm 8 pictures us between the two. Hanging there as dust, made of dust, and divinity. With eternity, as the Proverbs say, in our hearts. And then Jesus says, look, I am the bread of life. He repeats himself. Because he's a good teacher. I am the bread of life. The Jews, your ancestors... They ate the manna, again, notice, bread that came out of where? Heaven, (laughs) right? Which is why sometimes when I'm breaking the bread and giving it to you, I say, this is the bread that came down from where? Heaven. Eat it. He says, look, they ate that bread and they died. You eat of this bread? Well, he might as well have been pointing to himself like that, you know? 
and you'll live forever. You have what we call eternal life, salvific life, life to the fullest. He says, I am the living bread because he's going to resurrect that has come down from heaven. You eat it, you'll live forever. And he says this in the future tense, I will give my body, my flesh for the world. And what's he saying? What we're saying is this, it's not about just eating this because it's some meal. It has significance because it represents the crucified body of Christ. A lot of blood in the Old Testament. (laughs) A lot of blood in Leviticus. It's a lot of blood in Revelation. Where in the vision, when John, this same John that wrote these words, looks at the throne room scene, and you'd imagine... Maybe God bedazzled in jewels, high and mighty in some massive throne. What he sees is a lamb slain. Which, if you remember John's language at the beginning, John the Baptist, what does he call Jesus? Not a great warrior king, but a lamb slain, a lamb of God. And, of course, lamb has all that sacrificial weight coming into it. And in Revelation, he sees a lamb slain with blood all over it. The way they would do it, you know, if you slice here and here, all this has got to come out. This is what he sees. This is our God. This is a crucified God who resurrects from the dead and still touch here, see here, retains the wounds of our salvation. He was wounded for our transgressions. The weight of sin was put on him. My sin. Your sin. The sins of the world. And you know, friend, I... Jesus calls us out to follow him in the same way that he lived his life. He's not inconsistent. He's not a, he's not a God that says... Do what I say and not what I do. Instead, he says to his disciples, he goes, look, I send you out as what? Lions? No. Sheep, lambs among what? Wolves. What's going to happen there? That doesn't sound good. What kind of God is this? It's a God that is willing to give himself, his own body, for the sake of the world. Are you? Am I? I mean, the body you got right there. Not some spiritual body. I mean, are you willing to give your body to Christ this week so that the world can eat you up, chew on you, gnaw on you, Actually, the term here for chew in chapter 6, it's used the most in the New Testament right here in chapter 6. And it actually has the idea of gnawing. You know, like you ever seen anybody eat ribs? Well, you, you should have last week, right? Wow, check that out. You know, you do this number. You really get after it, right? It's not like proper eating. I don't think they ever have a presidential meal with ribs. 
Probably for that reason. It's uncanny to see somebody just gnawing at a bone. Christ sends us out so that the world can gnaw on us. Guess why? To taste and see that the Lord is good. How will they taste if his body, the church, doesn't offer itself to the world? How will they eat? How will they taste? How will they hear? How will they see? His invitation is to a cruciform life. One, as Jesus puts it so clearly, where you deny yourself, take up your cross, and you follow him. Just like, okay, well, wow, that's a lot. What does it all mean? Well, <laughs> I think it means this. You are what you eat. In other words, when they bite on you, what's going to come out is what you've put in. Does that make sense? Like a, like a jug here of water. If it gets bumped, and trust me, you always get bumped in this life. You might make it 10 years without getting bumped, but it's coming. And when you get bumped, what spills out but what's within? Doesn't Jesus teach about this? So what is in your life? What do you put in your children's life? Because you should be looking at their devices and their tablets. I mean, look, I know it's a hard job to do that. Trust me. It's way easier to just be like, all right, go to your room and get on that thing. Because, whoo, thank you, Jesus, for those things. And I'm not saying don't do those things. Like, I like a good show and video games just as much as the next person. Media. But how much of that as compared to the things of God are we putting in? I, I don't mean sit around and read your Bible all day. Here's more properly what Christ would have us do is actually do what we've read. You can read your Bible all day long and actually not love the person next to you. You think he's satisfied with that? Of course not. No, it's better to do than it is to think that we're something we're not. <laughs> and so, what's been good for your soul recently? What have you put in that, that nourished your soul? God's word is one thing you should be putting in. Like every day, it's breakfast. And then you gnaw on it all day long. Chew on it. But also fellowship with the body of Christ. He commands us to. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. As some of you have done. He says, don't do that. He said, assemble together in the name of Jesus Christ. Which is why we start our service by assembling together. And then we say what? We're here in the name of Jesus Christ. Not in Bruce's name, not in my name, not in our boards of stewards name, not in our other leaders names. No. No, we're here 
in the name of Jesus Christ, under his authority, under his rule. And this is why we have the teaching of the word before we come to the sacrament. Because that's what he does in this chapter. He teaches and then he feeds them. Remember? With feeding of the 5,000? He teaches them, then he feeds them. He teaches Israel, then he feeds them. So watch what you put in. Some of us need a spiritual fast as much as we might need a physical one. A cleansing of sorts. One that cleanses us. Think about these seven deadly sins of lust, gluttony, which is excess, being prodigal, greed, slothfulness. Acedia is the term there, which has the the mentality of indifference. Kind of what people would say is, meh. I know I need to read the Bible, but eh. I, I know I should be in a small group that is giving me life, but eh. I know I should probably pray for the multiple needs in this community like this week, but eh, just indifferent. I don't know. I just can't really get to doing it. Laziness, idleness, indolence. In other words, without care is sloth. Wrath. Envy. That's a, mm, with the internet <laughs> and with so much in our American experience, that's a tough one. And pride, the killer of all things. It's the seventh one because it is the final one that all the rest of them are birthed from. <sighs> Probably all of us consume a lot of media, but I think ultimately it's consuming us. And we just need to have times where we're just like, you know what? I'm going to push this away and be totally here with you right now. Like, that's a hard thing to do now, right? Because we hear those notifications and push things and all the different doohickeys. Jesus is God's provision. (laughs) Jesus is God's medium for us, mediator for all people. We must go to him. We must be putting Christ in us. (laughs) And then, not only you are what you eat, but taste and see. One of the things in John's gospel, by the way, might get into this a couple weeks, is this idea that you might see something, but you don't really see it. (laughs) You might hear something, but you don't really hear it. There's this this kind of... uh, motif in John's gospel where people continually misunderstand Jesus by what he says. You you remember Nicodemus? You must be born again. He's, how can I go back into my mother's womb? He's like, really? Are you a leader of Israel and you don't know this? You You can't interpret this? You need to be born of the spirit, buddy. Because born of the flesh dies. Born of the spirit, life eternal. And so, how do we taste and see? We come to the table. Both metaphorically and physically today. (laughs) You see, both spiritually and... It's not one or the other. Let's let's not be pushed into the corners of the either or. It's both. It's both because we're both. And so he says, 
put something physically in your mouth today. Drink something physically today. Why? Because by faith, you're doing the same thing. You're obeying Christ. And we need to be filled up with Christ so that we can then be sent out. He is our nourishment, our nutrients. The broken bread, the one cup. And so today I would invite you just as Jesus does to repent of your sin. If all of a sudden, you know, the Holy Spirit's like, here's what he does to me. Doink, doink, doink. Gives me a little elbow push. Most of the time when I get convicted of something, it's like the Holy Spirit doesn't even say anything in my head. It's more like, and I'm like, I get it. If that's you, then repent today. What what is that? Confess, I am this. I don't want this. Confess it with your mouth. Say it to God. And then I would suggest say it to somebody else. You don't have to say it to all of us. Actually, please don't. (laughs) But in the right group, the right assembly, that's where you say it. You confess that. And then ask the Lord to forgive you. (laughs) He wants to forgive you. He wants to restore you. And then believe. Not just mental assent. Oh, yeah, I, I believe Jesus is real. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about take everything that's in your life and put it on him. Trust only in God. Not in yourself. Not in others. Not in culture. Not in politics. Not in your money. Not in your savings account and retirement and all that good stuff. Don't trust any of that. Push it all to him. Lord Jesus I trust you with all that. What do you want me to do with it this week? Repent and believe. That was Jesus' first sermon, wasn't it? And then, lastly, just exercise all godliness. Let's just exercise these things. Trust me, you're not going to get it probably your first time. You know, like, oh, yeah, I've, I've forgiven my enemies once. Done. Done. Unfortunately, you're probably going to acquire some more as the journey continues. And so we practice our faith. I always like the language in the medical field, actually, because, like, I'm a practicing, practicing medicine. That's the way they talk about it, you know. Not an expert at medicine. It's almost a humble title. I'm practicing medicine. I think that's the way we should look at our journey with Christ. Man, I need to practice forgiveness. I need to practice up taking that root and pulling it up of bitterness. Casting it at his feet. I don't want to be a bitter person. I want to be in union with God. Become partakers of his divine nature. The center of our faith is a person. It's Jesus Christ. He wants us to feed on him to drink from him. We need bread from heaven. We need drink. We need the drink of his cup. 
which is a cup of suffering. We need a place at his table and for him to multiply himself for the sake of the world in us, who is his body. It starts with being people of deep faith that have our true belief in Jesus Christ and are faithful to God Almighty. This is only by grace, through faith. So, come to Jesus. Love him by obeying him today. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.